0: Welcome to episode thirty-three of the Kill Rock podcast. Today we have Brent Lake's owner and founder of Broken Circles Records. Before we get started, though, I want to let you guys know that Audible.com is a proud sponsor of the Kill Rock podcast. AudibleTrial.com/slash/KillRock is your place to get a free thirty-day trial and a free audiobook download. All you have to do is go to AudibleTrial.com/slash/KillRock.
1: I write this song Every six months or so I only change
0: That was Slow and Steady with their single 35mm. It was released on Broken Circles Records. And speaking of Broken Circles Records, today we have Brent Lakes, the founder and the owner of Broken Circles Records. Awesome label with such great indie bands such as Bandit, who released their debut album of life uh, last week on January 20th. They have Triathlon, they have Invidel, and uh, Slow and Steady. Yeah, much more. Much more bands that we're going to talk about in the interview. Uh, but we are super stoked for Bandit. Uh, Dan Bishop, he was on the show a couple months ago. And uh, since we had him on the show, I've I've had the album for quite a while. I haven't really been able to talk about it. No, not really been able to play too many of the songs off it, even though, you know, I think they released maybe like three or four singles before the release. Uh, it's such an incredible album. It really is. It's, it, for me, it's, it's a breath of fresh air, especially coming from, you know, uh, a perspective that, you know, we try to focus a lot on the AP alternative press type bands, you know, the warp tour type bands. And, uh, you know, so we don't really get into you know, the more indie bands. This is probably the most indie episode that we've had so far. We've had so much metalcore and we've had so much pop punk that this episode, we could actually have some indie music, some indie jams. It's a breath of fresh air for myself. And uh, the Bandit album, beyond belief. I can't, honestly, I can't believe how good it is. I know how great of a singer Angela is, I know how great of a guitar player Dan is. I didn't really, I mean, I expected it to be good, but I did not expect it to be this good. So congratulations to them. They've had such great reviews from all the public, uh, the publications out there. I mean, they even had their album streamed on NPR. How crazy is that? Or actually not NPR. I'm sorry. It was on Stereogum. It's still crazy. They had a single released on NPR, which was, uh, my favorite song on the album, Losing In A Sense, which we played, uh, I believe last week play last week on this show because this week was a uh, kind of slow i guess in a sense for uh, <laughs> in a sense get it uh news wise at least music news wise uh we're gonna cut this short there's nothing really too much to talk about other than the interview that we had with brent lakes so we're gonna get to that right now but before we do that I got to let you guys know, besides going to audibletrial.com slash Kill Rock, there's, there's an even better way for you to help support the Killrock podcast. Where are you downloading? Are you downloading on iTunes? Are you downloading on Stitcher? Are you going to the Podomatic website where, that hosts uh, our podcast? Wherever you're downloading, wherever you're listening, go to that little rate and review button and give us your stars. Write us a little blurb. Let us know how we're doing here at the Kill Rock Podcast. Share it with your friends. Let them know that the Kill Rock Podcast is here. That we're here and we're here to stay. At the end of the episode today, I'm going to make a little announcement uh, about the future of the Kill Rock Podcast. At least regarding the next month or so. Uh, So stay tuned for that. But for the time being, you could press the pause button right now. Did you press the pause button? Uh, If you did, you can't really hear me right now. Uh, Unless you already did what I told you to do. Anyway, go to the rate and review button. Click it. Give us the stars. Write us a little nice tidbit about the show. Let us know what you think. Let everyone know what you think of the Kill Rock podcast. Whether it's good or bad. It doesn't matter. We love your criticisms. Uh, We hold them in the highest regards. We're trying to make this show better. And there's no way to make this show better unless we know what you think about it. Also, if if you are in the criticizing mood, <laughs> in the mood to critique, email us at kill.rock.podcast at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Every week, we are trying to make the show better and better just for all of you. And if you're in a band, an independent band, and... You want your music played here on the Kill Rock Podcast? You can send us your stuff at kill.rock.podcast at gmail.com. Send us a little SoundCloud link, or you can send us MP3s. Send us a bio of your band. Let us know what your band's about. And we'll play your stuff on the air if we really like it. And uh, if we really like it, and we feel you guys have something to say, we'll even do an interview with you guys and post it here on the Kill Rock Podcast. With that, we are going to get to the interview with Brent Lakes. But before we do that, we are going to play a jam off the new Bandit album. Off their album, Of Life, this, my personal favorite song on the album. I said it before already in this episode. This song is Losing In a Sense. Here on the Kill Rock Podcast. great guy. Um, welcome back to the Kill Rock Podcast. I got Brent from Broken Circles. Brent, how you doing today?
2: I'm doing very well.
0: <laughs> it feels like we've had this conversation before, right?
2: Maybe a little bit.
0: <laughs> um, Broken Circles, an uh, indie label uh, out of New York. Am I right?
2: Yes. Initially based in Cincinnati, Ohio, but for the past year and a half, we've been in, in Brooklyn, New York.
0: Okay. Um, now you're out in LA uh, vacationing, well, quote unquote vacationing. We won't talk too many details, but uh, we have some great stuff coming out from Broken Circles. We have Bandit coming out, and you guys have some uh, a lot of other stuff that's you know going to be released later on this year. Um, how did you guys get started, and how did you get to the point where you're at now?
2: So the label started about six years ago, 2008. Is that math right? I don't know.
0: I don't know. <laughs> I'm bad at math.
2: So we started in 2008 in the summer. And the initial goal was to put things on vinyl that were not on vinyl, but that I really enjoyed. So I was really into Tooth & Nail growing up, and there were a bunch of releases not on vinyl that were on Tooth & Nail. So I made it my job to put them on vinyl. So the first release he did was the Seams Who Ever Had to Start a Fire. So I went through the process of doing that. And probably a few years ago, it just started getting annoying to do vinyl reissues because vinyl popularity had gotten really, really popular. So like everyone was trying to license stuff, so it just got annoying to do. So I decided to just kind of change directions, switch gears, and work with new bands, new artists, sign them, and put out their new releases. So that's where I am today.
0: Now, how many of those tooth and nail uh, bands have you released?
2: <sighs> Quite a few. I would let's see if I can go through and remember all of them. Nice. So started with First Seems Forever, had a Starfire, then did Zao, where Blood and Fire bring rest, Beloved, right. Failure on. Yes. Emery, The Week's End, and Becoming the Archetype, Terminate Damnation, uh, Zayo Liberate, Zayo (laughs) Self-Titled, because there was no Zayo on vinyl, so working with those guys was great. We were trying to do Parade of Chaos, but that was in the middle of a debacle when Tooth & Nail got sold to EMI, so that stuff's pretty much untouchable now. Really? Yeah.
0: All of Zayo's stuff, or all of the stuff prior to EMI?
2: So when Tooth & Nail is now independent again, they sold the entire back catalog. So, back to EMI. Or, yes, okay. So everything is untouchable right now.
0: Does that have to do, or is that why they changed um, their album numbers? Because I know they did that when they sold to EMI, but I feel I think they did it again.
2: I, would, I, I have no idea, but I would say yes, that's probably why. Because I'm sure their stuff before was like TN with some numbers. You know What is it now? 000,
0: um, I don't think it's TN anymore.
2: And yeah, it has it completely has to do with them selling to, to to EMI.
0: Well, okay, why did you want to get into vinyl? Was it just because you liked vinyl? Was it because you felt it was um uh, something that people could get into or oh whatever?
2: Yeah, I mean I the first record I ever bought was self titled Overcome, Seven Inch on Face Down Records. And then the second record I ever picked up was at a Norma Jean release show. It was the day Bless the Marcus Child came out. They were playing in Cincinnati with like Every Time I Die or something like that. Wow. And Daniel, the drummer for Norma Jean, had like a small distro with him. He was selling some random 7-inches.
0: Daniel Davidson. Yes. Okay.
2: And so he was selling a copy of Enter mean 7-inch, which was a very early Solid State Tooth and Nail release. Okay. And so I just picked it up on a whim because... I thought it was cool. I'd never heard of it. And obviously if a guy from Norman Jean selling it, he probably has good taste. So like those were the two seven inches that I picked up and I just really got into vinyl just because it's super tangible. Just holding the record in your hands, having to put, take the time to put it on your turntable, flip it, that kind of thing just really appealed to me. So that's how I started getting into vinyl. Well,
0: yeah. Cause you have to experience it's not necessary. It, you don't put it on to be white noise.
2: No. Cause like now, like in the age of Spotify iPods, it's, I'm going to pick this song that I really like to and listen to the song, whereas, I mean, 7 Inches, it's normally one or two songs, but if you're listening to an LP, it's like you have to put it on and experience the whole LP. Sure, you can put the needle down and pick one song, but that's a lot of work, and it's meant to be listened to as an album. Right. Um, Let's talk
0: about uh, Broken Circles. Uh, You have this band, Bandit, which I had Dan... uh, Dan Bishop, I almost forgot his last name. I don't know. Dan Bishop, a really good friend of mine on the show prior uh, to this interview. Um, what was it about them that got you into saying, hey, I want to sign those guys? And girl.
2: Guys and girl, yes. So, Charles the drummer is in this other Nashville band called Better Off. And I've been friends with him for, I don't know how many years now, a while. And so he just sent me a message one day. and was like, Hey, listen to this song and so it was the where's my mind cover and i put it on absolutely blew my mind i immediately was like what's this band's deal are they on a label do they have a record coming out whatever and so he sent me a bunch of uh, other songs that ended up being on the record and i was like i have to put this out it was just immediately grabbed me like the combination of her amazing vocals and then just like the dark moody brooding indie rock feel I love that stuff. Would
0: you consider them more indie rock, or are they like kind of like indie rock with a post-rock feel? Or I hate genres, personally, so usually I just say whatever genre they are. But, you know, how do you see their music uh, genre-wise, I guess?
2: I hate genres as well, but I, I guess I would classify them first and for- foremost as indie rock okay. with, like, po- post-hardcore vibes at times. Really? I mean, yeah, they're pretty heavy, so I would say... Post-hardcore is a fairly decent descriptor. I can
0: see that. I mean, um, what was the track off the album? I played one of the tracks on the Dragon.
2: That's, Drag, yeah. it, Dragon has, I mean, that even has shoe, compared to the rest of the album, that that song is super shoegazy, but it has yeah. super heavy distorted guitars, so I would say that's in the realm of post-hardcore.
0: Dan actually, when he was on the show, he gave me the definition of shoegazy. I was like, I've heard that word before, but I don't know what it means.
2: Yeah, I, I remember listening to the podcast and hearing him describe it. He was pretty accurate in the terms that it's just like, dude just super playing into their car, guitar, looking at their shoes while they play. Yeah.
0: And I'm sure uh, I, he told me about your little, uh, you know, you basically turned it off after you started talking about Angela and diapers.
2: <laughs> yes, that was real weird, and I was like, I can't I can't get behind this, I'm done.
0: And that's how we, the Kill Rock podcast lost a lot of listeners after Dan started talking about that.
2: I don't know if I'm a lot of listeners. I'm one guy.
0: No, we... Also, I'm just kidding.
2: <laughs> you have uh, a bunch of feedback, and people are like, we don't. We can't get behind podcasts where diapers are the main subject.
0: Exactly, especially on four-year-olds. Why is a four-year-old wearing a diaper?
2: <laughs> I, I have no idea.
0: This is the weirdest conversation I've ever had.
2: <laughs> is it really the weirdest conversation you've ever had? No. I didn't think so. I
0: had Dan on the show, so obviously. Now, um... Let's talk about your background. You were mentioning how uh, when you started getting into vinyl, it was when you were going to like Norman Jean shows and when you were going to like heavy shows. Uh, A lot of the bands you mentioned that you made vinyl for were metal bands or, you know, post-hardcore, close to metal band. Um, How did you start from that into, you know, starting Broken Circles and now the majority of the bands you sign are indie
2: bands? Sure. I mean, when I was younger, high school... Very early college. I was super into metalcore, super into hardcore. Like,
0: What was your favorite band?
2: I mean, I think Zaya was up there in terms of favorite band. That
0: was my first metal band.
2: But I also think if we're talking heavy bands, I'm super into Converge.
0: Okay. Great band.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was an angsty teen who thought hardcore and getting my aggression out via music was a great idea. And then I grew up and kind of grew out of it. I mean, I still go back and revisit that. I still like some hardcore, like some heavy records. Like that Deaf Heaven record that came out a couple years ago was great. I saw American Nightmare Reunion like two weeks ago. I still appreciate heavy music, but in my old age, I much find myself more attracted and drawn to indie rock. And how old are you? I'm 27. That means I'm old too.
0: (laughs) I'm 26. Going to be 27.
2: Well, we're old compared to...
0: We are. We're not, warp tour, uh, we're not Warp Tour age anymore.
2: No, I mean, I think in terms of the label, a lot of the demographic of the music I'm putting out is people in their late teens and early 20s. So I'm slightly older than that.
0: Well, I was at, like, you know, uh, Thrice's last show, and the majority of the crowd was at least late teens, early 20s. And I was like two years ago. Now it's probably going to be like mid 20s to late 20s when they come back in 2015. <laughs>
2: Sorry. Yeah. No, that'll be great. I'm excited for Thrice to come back. But I, I feel like, especially sh- for the show-going crowd, when you get older, you have more responsibility in life, and it's harder to go to shows, and you're just older, and you're like, I don't want to go stand for three hours and watch really loud music. Yes. So I would say that's why the show-going crowd is a lot younger than than, than whatever. Yeah. I,
0: had this, I went to the Where's the Band tour with Tracy, uh, Casey Crescenzo, uh, Dan from uh, Alkaline Trio, and Dustin. He was a headliner uh, from Thrice. And after the show, my knees... Like, I couldn't even bend my knees. And it wasn't even a heavy show. It was just the singers of these bands playing acoustic sets.
2: Yeah, I mean, when I go to a show, I I immediately look at the venue and be like, are there seats there? Can I sit down? (laughs) And if there are, I make sure to get there early so I can sit in the balcony or whatever and make sure I have a chair.
0: Now, for full disclosure, would you see every single band on your label live?
2: I haven't seen all of them live, but I absolutely would see them live no matter what.
0: Okay. Well... Full disclosure. Um, <laughs> we were having a conversation before I hit record uh, about labels and um, kind of like, you know, the general uh, landscape of the music industry, at least from the label's perspective. How does Broken Circles fit in with labels like Tooth & Nail, who seem to be putting out uh, quite a bit more indie, um, you know, The Fearlesses, The Rise, The No Sleeps, you know, Hopeless.
2: I would say out of in that vein, I'm I'm more in the realm of no sleep, but I, okay. I still feel different than all of those, 'cause I'm more indie. I think I think the music I'm putting out is more indie based, where those guys are more emo, post-hardcore, that metalcore type of stuff. So if if I had to compare myself to a label, I would much rather be compared to someone like Secretly Canadian or 4AD or that type of thing, like. I think it's cool because in, like, the alt world, like, alt press world or whatever, like, the Hopeless can put out a crazy metal band, but they can also put out, like, an emo band. That's super cool. And I think the indie alternative is, like, 4AD. I would love to be a label like 4AD because they can put out a band, like, one of my favorite bands, The National, and they can also put out, like, electronic stuff, like, say, Zombie or Purity Ring or something, and also do, like, a band like Daughter, like... They they run the gamut in terms of of genre. There's no genre constraints, but but all still feels cohesive. Like you can listen to it and be like, oh, it makes sense that they're on Four AD.
0: Would you consider yourself at this time kind of a niche label?
2: Um, <clears throat> niche is a real is a weird word. I would say I've been putting a lot of effort and focus onto curating a roster that is cohesive. So I guess you could say it's niche. Like I feel like if you listen to say Bandit and you like Bandit, you could go to our bandcamp and listen to another re- release at random and probably also be into it because they're somewhat in the same vein, right. same aesthetic, same sound.
0: Well, I had that same feeling because I listened to the Bandit album uh, of Life that comes out on January twentieth of two thousand fifteen. Uh, but then I went and listened to uh, Triathlon right afterwards, and it had that same vibe and it had the good feels, and it wasn't necessarily the same music, but I, I could totally hear what you're saying.
2: Exactly. That as as a listener that's great for me to hear from some, from someone.
0: Oh. You're welcome. <laughs> um, now but now the way that you deal with these bands, um I know that you found Bandit based on other bands that were in Nashville, not necessarily even because Angela was on the chariots final album. How do you go about finding these bands? Do you usually is it usually just word of mouth or do you go on Spotify or how do you do it?
2: Um <clears throat> I guess I wouldn't say I find bands to sign on Spotify, because that prob- if they're on Spotify, that probably means they're already on some sort of label, or they're associated with someone. If, if I'm actually doing music searching for bands I want to work with, then I would say SoundCloud and Bandcamp are, are great places to look. But, most of the time, it's word of mouth, so uh, a band will go on tour and play with another band, and they'll be like, they'll tell me, like, hey, we played with this band, they're super cool, and I'll check them out. Or... Uh, just same city, like, I found Nest through, uh, my friends in Better Off, and, uh, Charles is in Better Off, and he told me about Bandit, so it was just, like, them introducing me to music. So it's not really, like, I don't, very rarely, well, I've never done it, so I guess I can't even say rarely, sign a band from a submission online, like, if you submit a demo, most of the time it's not very good.
0: Where do you take your submissions? <laughs> Should you disclose that? You probably get hit up quite a bit. <laughs>
2: I get hit up often, but it's easy to find my email. It's on the website. If you want to submit music, do it through there. That's the best way.
0: Are you as easy to get a hold of as Kevin Lyman?
2: Is he easy to get a hold of?
0: Kevin Warped at com.
2: Does he really still have an AOL address? Yeah. I don't have an AOL address, but mine's pretty easy. It's just my name at com. So I would say that's pretty easy to find me.
0: Now, <laughs> that is kind of easy to find you. And you can find us at at com. Um...
2: You yeah, said it pod- so fast that I feel like it's going to be one of those situations, like, if anyone remembers trying to get down a number from an answering machine, like, <laughs> someone leaves the longest, slowest voicemail of all time, and then at the end, they're just like, you can call me back, at," and you have to rewind the message like six times to get their number. It's subliminal. I don't know if it's subliminal, it's just...
0: I'm doing Beatles stuff over here, okay? <laughs> Paul is dead.
2: Paul is very dead. I
0: should reverse that on the recording.
2: Well, speaking of Paul, I think it's crazy that kids don't know who Paul McCartney is this thing. You think that's real? Absolutely. The whole Kanye thing, that's insane to me, but I absolutely believe it's real. Kids these days are like in their own little bubble and don't know what's going on. I bet a lot of those kids have heard of the Beatles, but they don't necessarily know that Paul McCartney was a Beatle. Like also, kids on Twitter are just really dumb. Think about how dumb you were when you were twelve or thirteen or fourteen. Like It's pretty dumb. I remember seeing tweets of like kids that were like Oh, I didn't know Titanic ha- happened, I just thought it was a movie. Like, that kind of thing. <laughs> I've literally seen a tweet that says that, but it's from kids that are dumb.
0: Well, I was the guy that said, oh, Faith was an old song, I thought Limp Biscuit wrote it.
2: I mean, if I had a Twitter account when I was 12 or 13 or 14, I probably would say some of the dumbest shit in the world, too.
0: <laughs> I like this topic.
2: <laughs> it's a good one.
0: Um... Uh- if we should we should do a weekly series if I was twelve with Twitter.
2: <laughs> that would be something interesting to listen about
0: well, thank you, uh Brent, for giving us that idea um Now we talk about your landscape uh do you deal with a lot of the labels that are either a little above you at the same level uh do you deal with like major labels or you know at least day to day
2: I would say I don't ever really deal with major labels. Okay. But I feel like I have decent relationships with some labels that are bigger than me. And it's weird because some of those people don't really care about anyone below them. And some of them are friendly. Like, for example, Fred at Triple Crown is one of the nicest dudes in the world. And every time I get to see him interacting with it, it's always a pleasant experience. Mm. But I can't say that for every label I've had to deal with.
0: The same label that features from Indian Lakes. Our number one top album of 2014.
2: Very good record. You should listen to the song Sleeping Limbs if you're going to check out that record.
0: I suggest the same thing. I suggest you buy it on iTunes.
2: I suggest you buy it on vinyl if you like that. <laughs>
0: See, we're we're in two different worlds right now.
2: I mean, if you buy it, I don't care how you buy it, but from my perspective, I would say buy vinyl, but digital is great too.
0: Um, now, vinyl-wise, are all your bands on vinyl? Do you make it a point that... Uh, I know one of your bands, you were talking to, to me earlier about, uh, they released an EP, they're just digital, but eventually they're obviously going to do a full-length. Is every album, full-length at least, going to be released vinyl?
2: Yes, absolutely. If we put out a record, we're going to put it on vinyl. Like the Triathlon record, they'd been sitting on it for a while and they were about to do tours, so we're like, let's just get out, let's do it digitally, but vinyl's at the plant right now, that'll be coming out soon. So sure. we make it a point to put effort and time and thought and consideration into How it's presented physically.
0: Now, does vinyl necessarily help album sales? At least when you pre-order them, is does it help the first week as much as any other album sale?
2: I yeah, I mean, if you order a record, it counts toward your your total first sale week. So yeah, if you only want to buy a a record and not digital, you can do that. It's funny though because there's some labels who are sneaky, and if you pre-order a vinyl record you also get a download with it and they'll count that as two sales
0: no way that's a thing do they sell the vinyl for more or
2: i mean they'll sell the record for fifteen dollars and you'll get a digital download and you'll get the vinyl in the mail and they'll say that counts as two as two sales that's skeevy right there it's very skeevy that's how (laughs) that's how the music industry is if you know how it works on the inside
0: i mean my law teacher did say it's the music business you know (laughs) it was founded by the mob
2: I mean, some people definitely treat it as the music business. I don't know if I would classify myself as
0: And we'll get back to Brent in just one moment. But before we do that, I have to let you guys know. AudibleTrial.com slash Kill That's all you need to know. Well, actually, you need to know a little more. If you go to AudibleTrial.com slash Kill sign up. You get a free 30-day trial, you get a free audiobook download, and you have the choice of 150,000 titles to choose from. I could tell you what to, you know, to download, but you don't have to do what I tell you to do. I could tell you to go download The Hobbit. I could tell you to go download the hundreds and thousands of music industry books where you can learn how to sing, you can learn how to produce, you can learn how to write your music, I could tell you to go get the new trendy teen book that's going to be made into four movies in like the next four years. I could tell you to do that, but I'm not going to tell you to do that. Why? Because you have the choice of 150,000 titles. So, go to audibletrial.com/killrock. You can play it on your iPhone, you can play it on your Android, you can play it on any MP3 player you have. What I do? I have my iPod 160 gig classic. Perfect, cuz I can fit the thousands of songs that I own and I can fit all the audio audiobooks that I've downloaded off Audible. What books have I downloaded? I've downloaded at least four or five C.S. Lewis books. Uh, the Great Divorce, uh, The Abolition of Man. I've also downloaded John Lee Dumas' uh, book on how to launch a podcast. I have downloaded uh, Oliver Sacks' Musicophilia, which is an amazing book on the brain regarding music and how music works in our heads i have also downloaded this is your brain on music by daniel leviton which talks about the same exact thing so you have a choice audible trial.com slash killrock go check it out every time you sign up audible sends back a couple bucks to the Kill Rock podcast so we could pay our bills and you don't even have to spend a cent really you could cancel anytime before they bill you again you could cancel but you're not going to want to cancel because you're going to want to download more audiobooks. So, slash kill rock. Now, we're going to get back into our interview with our man, Brent Lakes from Broken Circles Records. But before we do that, we are going to play a jam off the band Triathlon. Their album, Low Tide, is out right now on uh, Broken Circles Records. You can go download it on iTunes, you can check it out on Spotify, and you could also purchase the vinyl this song is swells here on the kill rock podcast the hashtag krp Contracts. Um, I don't know how far you want to be, how transparent you want to be about your contract or about anyone else's contract, but we were talking about uh, the band Numbers, uh, who had a crappy deal with Sumerian. Um, What do you think about that situation, and what do you think about, you know, record label contracts in general, whether they're indie or major or whatever?
2: Contracts are a tricky thing, so I guess for a big label like Sumerian, they have to do crazy contracts to cover themselves and make a lot of money in the business. But from my perspective, I'm not here to try to take advantage of any bands. I'm here to help them. Like Honestly, labels aren't even that important. It's We're just here to provide some financial backing. And I think, like in the old days, you could go to a record store before the internet and you could pick up a record. and If it had a, a certain label's logo on it, you could be like, wow, that label is cool. I like some of their other releases. I'm going to pick this up. And seven or eight times out of ten, it's going to be a great release. So I feel like that...
0: Kind of like the drive through days.
2: Yes, exactly. So I think that's more of the role of the label, like to create something cohesive that people can rely on. Like if you put out a bunch of good records that are similar, people can check out all of them and, and I think they're going to like most of them. But I I guess labels are more here for financial backing. And I would say my contracts are very, like, three pages, just do simple 50-50 deals so that I can make my money back, they can make their money back, and anything we get after that, we can split. So I'm not trying to take advantage of anyone.
0: Now, do you put out... I mean, yeah, you, you obviously put out money. Um, does it usually depend on the band, the advance they get for the record, or, or do you have, like, a, a kind of, like, a prorated advance?
2: Um, the situation currently is... If you're a brand new band on the label and this is your first thing, a lot of the time a band will come to me with a record, and they'll have recorded themselves, paid for it themselves, and then I'll do all the other things. I'll pay for pressing vinyl, pay for PR, all of that kind of stuff, and then depending in the future for their future records, depending on how well the last record did, will determine how much money they get for the new record.
0: Dan, really? (laughs) He he always would tell me This will probably be edited off But he would always tell me uh, Dude, you know I don't know that much about the music business I'm like, what kind of deal do you have? A distribution deal I'm like, does that mean you're on the label? Yeah, technically we're on the label
2: I mean, I wouldn't call it a distribution deal Because I think that would just mean that I was taking their record and, and getting it in record source for them. But I'm doing that but I'm doing a ton of other things. So they actually are on the label. Yeah, they're on your roster. Yes. They're and
0: on they're through your P they have they go through your PR, they go through pretty basically everything that you guys put out.
2: Yes. I mean I pretty much do everything for them at this point. Does
0: your PR get more thanks than you do?
2: Sometimes, but Will at Bear Trap works very hard and he deserves all the thanks he gets. <laughs> that was a shot at it wasn't below the belt, so it's fine. Ah <laughs> oh, now we're going with really bad
0: puns. Uh, now you said you guys aren't there, at least you personally. How big is your staff right now?
2: My staff is one and it's me.
0: It's you. So and you say that you're not in it to screw over any bands, you're not in it to, you know, mess anyone over. But there are obviously labels that do. Why do bands go with those labels? Is it necessarily the promotion or the name or what?
2: I think it's a combination of the name. Like being able to tell your friends or say that you're on a big label is a very cool thing to you. But a lot of times the bands are young and don't understand how it works. And they just think, oh, we're signing a record deal. This is great. We're going to blow up and be huge. When in reality, they're signing their life away and they don't realize it.
0: I mean, too, the bands have had plenty of one album bands that broke up basically right after.
2: And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with the deal they were in. They realized that they, they couldn't go anywhere with what they had.
0: Do you see that kind of thing happen basically because of the record deal? Or do you see bands breaking up after one album because they just feel like they can't take it anymore? Or, you know, is it both?
2: I think a lot of bands have unrealistic expectations in terms of how fast they can become a big band. Because, honestly, if you're a listener right now, think about a few of your favorite bands and think about how big they are and think about how many records they had to put out before they got to that point. Mm -hmm. Like, you've mentioned Moving Mountains a few times. Those guys, over the course of their career, worked tirelessly for years and years and years. They put out a few EPs that no one cared about. Well, I won't say no one cared about it. They put out a few EPs, and they slowly build up that fan base, and slowly just build up their following, and it didn't happen overnight. And right. so I think bands will sign to a label and be like, oh, we're on a label now, we're immediately going to get on cool tours, we're immediately going to be big. And they don't realize that they also have to put in effort, they have to go book their own tours, try to like do the thing, and then people are going to start taking notice.
0: Right, and... Even that, when you're talking about like moving mountains or you know all those other slow burn bands, I mean, I don't even think case Today really hit it big until probably their last two albums. And how big did that really get them? Do you, is that a thing? Like you go through it over time, you finally hit that peak, and then it's time to kind of call it quits because now it's time for life to start.
2: I mean, I'm sure the, situ- the situation is different for different people, but yeah, I think I'll, they'll they'll start a band when they're younger, and then they'll just spend years and years trying really hard, just touring all the time, and just kind of get burnt out on a bit, and then realize that they're in their mid-20s or their 30s, and they're ready to step away from being on the road 200 days a year and get back into a normal life.
0: How many albums did it really take Taylor Swift to start selling like you know millions on the first week? I think it took maybe like two or three.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's very, very rare for a band that's unknown to put out one record and for that to just blow up and do really well. I think if that happens, it's usually because there's some underlying factors that people don't know about, like they had help writing the record or they have like a connection somehow and it's not organic growth. Now, how
0: many albums does a label of your size have to sell to at least first two weeks to be considered a success?
2: First two weeks, good. I don't know. That's a good question. I don't. I don't think I ever gauge sales on how well they do in the first week.
0: You go total?
2: Yeah. I'm. I'm not. We're not big enough to the to the point where we can sell a couple thousand records in the first week and get at at the bottom of the charts or whatever. It's more of a long term thing. Like, how can we sell records over time? Let's get the band on the road. I, bands sell more records on the road than anywhere else. So if a band is touring, they're going to sell a bunch of records, and you can't tour the whole country on the first week of the record so I would say it's more of a long-term process
0: do you think that um, you know that's something that is at least with your current roster uh, I don't know if you're talking to any bands about signing now but with your current roster uh, do you see any of your bands you don't have to give names but do you see your bands being able to break into that mold where they could sell thousands first week and make at least the you know top 200
2: I mean that's always the goal so i definitely i believe in all of my bands so i think all of them have the potential to well, why sign them exactly yeah. i mean i'm not going to put out something that i don't care about because i think it's going to sell really well i will never ever do that i'm going to put out records that i care about i mean half the fun of running a label is becoming friends with the band and getting to hang out with them like i pretty much love all of the people that are in all of the bands on my label right now and i think most of them would vouch for that so i would say that's more important than selling a ton of records. Obviously, breaking even and making my money back on every record is the end goal. Like making it sustainable, that'd be great. But that's not making much of money and selling a ton of records is not why I'm doing it.
0: Now, on this uh, episode of the Kill Rock Podcast, uh, we are going to be playing every single uh, all the songs that we're going to be playing is, are going to be Broken Circles bands. Um, any songs in particular that you are super stoked about? Either have been released, are gonna be released.
2: Let's see songs. I'm super stoked. I really love the slow and steady song we put out last year. It was it was just a single. It's called 35 Millimeter. Uh, he's originally from South Carolina, okay. and he moved to Austin, so he's an Austin band now. But it just kind of like has vibes and like All Get Out Mansions, Page of the Lion. It was mastered by T.W. Walsh, who used to drum in Page of the Lion. Okay. Super stoked on that song. He's just finished up his LP. That'll be out sometime this year. Um, super in the triathlon. I can't pick one song, but I think if, <laughs> if I had to, I'd probably pick Swells. Okay. Just like the most chill thing in the world. It makes you just want to lay on the beach with a margarita and just vibe out. Okay. And the last release we did this uh, year was this band called Ivedel. And
0: How do you spell that?
2: I-V-A-D-E-L-L. Okay. They're also from South Carolina, and they definitely have like a, a riffy vibe. Uh, I would say they're similar to Oh Brother, who we put out their EP a while ago. Which one? We put out Death of Day. Did you really? Yeah, it's on. It's out of print right now, but we're think we're gonna work on repressing it this
0: Ascension year. Ascension is like. I mean, I love Oh Brother, but Ascension is probably one of the top songs I, I could possibly ever listen. I, I ever listen to
2: ascension is an absolutely incredible song i think those guys are going to work on a record that that comes out this year as well
0: are they are they on triple crown
2: yes yes
0: moving mountains is on triple crown
2: well when moving mountains was a band they were on triple crown yes
0: totally just broke my heart
2: rip but i know greg is working on some other things he has a project called ansible a-n-s-i-b-l-e and i know he's probably going to work on some stuff this year he's been working on stuff for a while but i think it'll probably see the light of day this year
0: totally stoked about that are you going to get that signed
2: i wish man i don't know what is i don't know what his plans are. All. all all i know is there's music coming out from this year whether it be on some other label or mine i have no idea but if the chance arises that i can put it out greg if you're listening please let me put it out
0: <laughs> you know when we're, we'll tweet at them we'll make sure to tweet at them
2: at g r d u n n is Greg's Twitter handle, I think. At
0: g n n,
2: g g I don't know.
0: <laughs> I'm sure we can find it.
2: We can. It's the internet. We can find anything.
0: Did you did you ever think that you would be in a day and age where you could like contact the band on Twitter and sign them? I'm sure that's nothing. That I mean, I'm sure you're not uh, you're not against it, but I'm sure it's something that you never really expected to have to do no
2: i i guess i can't really talk about that because i didn't start the label until the internet age so when i first started listening to music i remember having to mail money in through like mail order catalogs you get in the mail you would mail the money in and be like i want this record mm-hmm. and sometimes you would get it and sometimes you don't right. and that was i actually think that's pretty cool because now kids will order a record and if they don't get it shipped and a day or so, then they get super upset about it. Like, it's an instant gratification thing. But... It'll take, like, what, a month for you to get it? (laughs) And
0: and now the labels nowadays, like you said, you're not, you know, complaining about not getting it, you know, or at least not getting a tracking number the first day. You know, bands that do Kickstarters, they're not sending out their stuff until, like, maybe a year after the people actually contributed.
2: If that, yeah. I mean, Kickstarter is completely unreliable because it's just like hey i'm gonna give you this money and i hope you do something with it there's like i don't think there's really accountability for it
0: are you against or for kickstarter i know bandit they funded their album through kickstarter um is it your follow up is it your obligation to be able to fulfill those orders uh
2: i think it i would say yes it's my obligation to, to fill those orders since they did the kickstarter and said putting out this record and now I'm putting out the record they said they were putting out but I would say it's my obligation overall I think Kickstarter is a great resource but I think a lot of people abuse it Yeah, I totally agree it's just so just like anything there's there's good ways to do something and there's bad ways to do something and
0: there are bands that you know they say hey I want a so-and-so amount of money Uh, yet one of the members is the producer of the album and they're not going to end up touring. They're just going to release the album. only thing they really need to pay for is distribution, copies, uh, and maybe flights. That's it. It doesn't come out to like $55,000, though.
2: Sure. And I think it means a lot more when it's your money and you're invested in the project. Like, If you're putting your own dollars towards something, you're going to put a lot more effort, a lot more care, and a lot more time into the project than if you're using someone else's money.
0: I, tell, I agree with that. The, guy, the guy that just passed by. I think he thinks I have a camera or something because he had a basketball and was like this. I don't know what that was about.
2: We're not going to be on TV. We're just going to be on the internet and no one can see our faces, which is good because I have a radio face.
0: I say that all the time. I, I did videos and at Under we had the Chariot. We had really great bands on there, but they're not able to talk in front of a camera. If you put a microphone in front of them without a camera, it seems like it's a little easier.
2: Yeah, definitely. I'm glad there's not a camera right now. I don't know if I'd be doing this if there was a camera.
0: <laughs> just kind of be like... Oh, Dan's definition of shoegaze. Shoegazy, you know?
2: Shoegaze interviews. That's a th- We can make that a thing.
0: <laughs> no, we're starting genres. We're starting little bits and pieces. We're star- Oh, this is the best interview ever.
2: Video interview genres.
0: Video interview genres. Shoegazy interviews. We have the, if you're a 12-year-old Twitter, just, we're revolutionizing podcast, and YouTube as we speak.
2: Yeah, I'm going to... The label is officially over. I'm starting a YouTube channel.
0: <laughs> can I be your main uh, YouTuber?
2: Just as long as neither of our faces show up on the channel.
0: That's fine. I can wear a mask. We're on. Will Bandit make a mask? I want a mask of Dan Bishop that I could wear everywhere.
2: You're the only one that would buy that. Well, he's a babe. Actually... And some of the promo pictures we just took for, for them, for their band, he has a really disappointed look on his face, and so there's, like, some, like, very small meme going around the disappointed Daniel, where he just looks really bummed out.
0: I could totally tell you the story on how he started the disappointing Daniel. He, it started here. Tell it. I took him to Disneyland, and he was still disappointed.
2: How can you be disappointed at Disneyland?
0: I have no idea. No, at all, he, he came down here for, uh... I don't even know if I should be talking I already made him tell an embarrassing story About how he tried to get in Search the City But uh I don't I remember,
2: know if... I remember that story I also remember that band Because at Cornerstone they were talking to me About putting out their record on vinyl one. Really? Yeah I never did it Because I don't really care about that record I liked it for the sake of the
0: genre uh, But I got that album at the same time Secret and Whisper put out their album And I loved that album Even though they are probably the most awful band I've ever seen live
2: I don't think I've seen them live or listened to their record. Secret and Whisper? Is there a whale on the cover? Yes. I know the record, but I don't know if, 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 if I've listened to it.
0: Um, Think Sayosin with Anthony Green. I've never liked Sayosin. Whoa, whoa, whoa wait, wait, wait. More creative guitar, though. Mm-hmm?
2: I've never liked Sayosin, so even if it was more creative, I don't know if I would like it. Sorry, Anthony Green.
0: I talk to a lot more people that hate Anthony Green than love him.
2: I know he's a cool dude. Some of my best friends were uh, in this band called All The Day Holiday. Yeah. And oh yeah i totally another. Yeah, and so they played Bamboozle and did a Beach Boys cover set on the West Coast and Anthony Green and came out came came out and played a song with him
0: That's really so, cool. Yeah, he's
2: just he's a genuinely cool dude but I don't like his band.
0: Do you like him solo at least?
2: I think I like that more than than SASN. Yeah, I,
0: I get that a lot more. Well, it I mean Circus Survive. Survive,
2: yeah. I've never been a Circus Survive fan either.
0: See, and that was that over here, I don't know why, that's like Circus Survive is huge over here. Um I mean, I'm sure they're huge in New York and, you know, wherever you're from, you know, Cincinnati and stuff. But over here, it's like, you get kind of looked down on if you don't like Circus Survive. But yeah. you don't get looked down on if you like Thrice. Or you actually do get looked down down on if you do like Thrice, even though they live basically down the street.
2: If you don't like Thrice, you're an idiot. And if you're looking down on people that do like Thrice, you're also an idiot.
0: Post that on your Tumblr.
2: I'll reblog it. <laughs> that's
0: going to gonna be like uh, that's going to be a trending tweet. If you don't like Thrice, you're an idiot.
2: I'm totally okay with that. I bet Thrice would be okay with it too.
0: I'm sure they will. I mean, I think I personally, uh, in an unbiased way, as unbiased as I could be, I feel like they revolutionized what is post rock and post hardcore. I know people are going to give credit to Thursday and you know Census Fail, but Thrice has done more musically. Let's say musically. Takeaway sales. They've done more musically than basically any band that came out of the early 2000s.
2: I I would agree with that. I I think Thursday is as important, but they were doing different things, but and in terms of changing the game both of those bands did it for sure. I
0: agree with that. I was never a big Thursday fan mostly because of Jeff though. I never liked his vocals at all.
2: I don't love Thursday, but I can appreciate what they did for the genre. I love
0: 54321 though. I think I'm the only one that likes that song.
2: No, I think there's a lot of people that like that song, but I'm not a big fan. Speaking of Thrice, one of my favorite things they did was when they covered the Frotus song, The Earth Isn't Humming. Yeah. Frotus is one of my favorite bands of all time, so seeing Thrice do that was very cool.
0: How Were you uh, happy to see it that it made their Live at the House of Blues DVD?
2: I was happy to see that, because I feel like it's a completely underappreciated song. And I feel like most Thrice fans don't know that it's a cover.
0: No, I... Well, I think at first I didn't know it was a cover. I don't remember how I found out. I heard, I did listen to the original, though, and it's... It's completely different, but it's completely the same. I think it's different uh instrumental-wise because Thrice did it a little more... uh Yes. they didn't do it as electric as Frodus did. Am I right?
2: Yes, I think you're very right. But if you've never listened to Frodus, you should definitely go check them out. They have a record called conglomerate international and a record called and we Washed our weapons in the sea and they're both amazing
0: go listen to Frotus.:
2: it's funny because their second record uh and we watched our weapons in the sea is on F- fueled by ramen which is the same label as paramore yeah. tidbits
0: yeah paramore hugest band on the, in the planet right now
2: Um uh, likes bandit paramore likes bandit yes i uh like last year in april or something Haley tweeted about how uh the where's my mind cover made her cry
0: I remember... Dan actually told me about that. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. So, Haley, if you're listening to this, I will give you the whole record, and I bet you'll like the whole thing.
0: <laughs> it's going to be shipped to uh, you and Chad Gilbert. It's going to be your wedding present.
2: You, bo- you both get a copy.
0: <laughs> See? And now, Bandit's making headlines everywhere. Do you think, do you think Bandit could be an alt-press band?
2: Sure, I I think alt press gets a bad rap because when people think alt press, they think about the covers and the covers are Black Veil Brides and mm-hmm. and that falling in reverse and that yeah, c- of sure that kind of stuff. Right. But in their defense, if you look past the cover, the content on the inside is actually great. They cover so many good bands but you can't put a band like bandit on the cover of alt press because no one's going to pick it up
0: but you can put them in like the bands to watch or you could put them somewhere at least in the middle of that whole uh, whole issue
2: yeah absolutely i think there's plenty of people that, that read alt press and would like bandit
0: a nice flower those are nice flowers yeah la grows nice flowers in the winter
2: yeah we don't everything's dead in new york right now everything is dead
0: especially the giants
2: yeah, I don't care about the Giants. Well, if I had... I like the Giants more than the Jets, but I don't care about New York football. A Bengals fan, so that was even more disappointing. Oh. We've been to the playoffs four years in a row, and Andy Dalton has just thrown our way out of the playoffs every game.
0: Didn't he get up? Didn't his contract get up?
2: He, he just signed a massive contract this season, like $160 million or something. You
0: think Marvin Lewis is going to get fired after
2: this? I saw a great Onion head, headline article, and, and the headline was like, uh, after four straight playoff loss... Marvin still hasn't learned anything or something like that. Well,
0: because I know uh, they've done four straight, but the six years that they've made the playoffs, they've never gotten out of the first round.
2: We haven't got out of, play- out of the first round of the playoffs in a very long time. That was just I
0: mean, that's with Marvin Lewis. But in general, yeah.
2: I, I don't think we're going to get anywhere with Marvin Lewis or Andy Dalton. And honestly, the problem is probably Mike Brown, who is the owner of the team. It's
0: always
2: the owner's fault. Yeah, its it's everyone's fault.
0: Now, are you happy LeBron came back to Cleveland?
2: I don't care about basketball.
0: Do you care that the Columbus Blue Jackets are kind of a good team?
2: Isn't the season just starting? It's midway. Oh. Sure.
0: (laughs) Do you care that the Cleveland Indians are just as bad?
2: I mean, I don't. I like. I'm from Cincinnati, not Cleveland. Do
0: you feel like the Reds get a bad rap all the time?
2: I just want to go back and relive the Big Red Machine era because we've been garbage ever since then.
0: My favorite documentary growing up was actually the 1990 1990 World Series Series video for the Reds against the Athletics.
2: Yeah, that was amazing. Also, they should let Pete Rose into the Hall of Fame and just let him back in baseball in general.
0: I think this episode of the podcast, if it doesn't trend, because we are being controversial and we're creating new things at the same time. Brent, what's the future like for Broken Circles?
2: I think it's looking good. Uh, We've been just continually growing for the past few years and i think this is going to be a really strong year with us especially because we're starting out with the bandit record it's a high note to start on i think we're probably going to put out eight or ten records this year and i'm very excited for all of them
0: next time we get you on the show which hopefully it's sooner than later uh we'll talk about publishing we'll talk about other intricacies inside the uh you know the record label uh but for now any last things you want to say? Anywhere we could find Broken Circles on the internet?
2: Yes, we're just Broken Circles at everything. So if you want to go to Tumblr, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Bandcamp, SoundCloud, it's all just at slash whatever Broken Circles.
0: And he danced while he was listing those off.
2: I shook my head that's not really dancing. Well,
0: you kind of shook your hips, too. Not that I was watching your hips. I mean, it's, it's more peripheral.
2: This is really creepy. Sorry. But yes, thank you for having me, and if you're listening to this, you should buy vinyl.
0: should buy vinyl. Thank you, Brent, for coming on the Kill Rock Podcast. That's it. I don't know how many times i said on the show, go buy vinyl. And I'm like the biggest hypocrite, because I only own one vinyl record. I only own one vinyl record. I didn't even buy it. I got it for my birthday, which was one of the best gifts I've ever had, gotten. Uh, It was actually from my girlfriend, who bought me... Uh, The Artist in the Ambulance, on vinyl. One of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, Probably one of the albums that really pushed me in the direction of the style of music, the genre that I wanted to write, the style of music that I wanted to play, the style of music that I wanted to listen to over and over again. But only from Thrice, not from any other bands. I hated every band that sounded like Thrice, except for Thrice. Every band like the Parosia, was just a ripoff of Thrice. That's all I'm going to say about that. And you heard it from Brent himself. If you don't like Thrice, you're an idiot. And if you look down on people that like Thrice, well, you're also an idiot. So thank you, Brent Lakes, for coming here on the Kill Rock podcast. We did everything on this episode. We really did. We're revolutionizing uh, the interview game. We have created a new idea for a youtube channel we also created a new uh, a new segment here on the kill rock podcast if i were 12 with twitter i think that should be a thing i think i should actually have people on the show or bands on the show actually tell us what they would post on twitter if they were 12 years old and i cannot believe people do not know who paul mccartney is I, I know I'm not the biggest Beatles fan in the world, but how can you not know who Paul McCartney is? Are your parents that idiotic to not teach you who the Beatles are? Not just who the Beatles are, who the actual members of the Beatles are. That is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Kanye West, you're an idiot. Come on the Kill Rock podcast and fight me. Here I am calling out Kanye West here on the Kill Rock Podcast. I am an idiot. He'll probably have me killed by the end of the night. So Tuesday morning, if you don't hear from me at all, Kanye West got me. And that is the sad truth. We want to thank uh, Brent for coming here on the Kill Rock Podcast, for letting us play the jams off Broken Circles Records. We had Slow and Steady. We already played one bandit song. We're going to finish off with another bandit song. We played triathlon and uh, it was great. He gave us his time on his own vacation, which, you know, for us, that is a great honor because there are not too many people that would take time out of their vacation to talk to some kid with a microphone about a record label or about the music industry. Because wouldn't you want to get away from the music industry? Because that's your job. Don't you want to go on vacation to get away from your job? Anyways, Brent, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for talking with us. We got to have you on again soon. With that, I do have an announcement to make uh, in regards to the Kill Rock podcast. At least the next couple of weeks, we are going to be taking a two-week hiatus to get things figured out. Uh, to start planning on future episodes. Since uh, July 21st, we have had no breaks at all here on the Kill Rock Podcast. We have released one to sometimes three episodes a week. And, uh, you know, we're just going to take two weeks, two weeks off. Uh, we need to get stuff organized. As a lot of you know, I just moved into a new place And we're still trying to figure out a spot for us to record our phone interviews. And because we can't really do phone interviews right now, and there's no shows hitting up Southern California in the next couple of weeks, uh, we're going to have to start planning uh, again. We're going to have to start planning and getting some guests on the show. And I don't think it's fair to have myself just talk for an hour. Not, I mean, I could do it. I think it's not fair for you guys to have to listen to me. So unless you guys really like to listen to me, you know, send feedback, gmail.com. But when we come back on February 16th, we are going to have Drew Zaragoza and we're going to have Jimmy Smith. Drew, uh, singer, guitar player, songwriter for the band Cynical out of Reno, Nevada. Also alumni from my school musicians Institute and Jimmy Smith, who basically does everything at The Noise, I do not know anyone that does anything else at that place. And Jimmy works his butt off. He gets to go to shows, he does some great interviews, and he has a great new style of interview. Uh, it's kind of like a you yeah, know, you gotta go check it, go check it out at bringthenoise.com. Uh, if You know, he's being creative in the interview game. Myself and Brent, we're starting our new shoegazy interview style for YouTube. So us and Jimmy at The Noise, we are revolutionizing the interview game. Jimmy Smith, he's also alumni at Musician Institute. Uh, We all hung out in a couple classes together, shared some high fives, talked about some good music, made fun of other people that wrote music. It was all a good time. So January or February 16th, we're going to have them on the show. And, uh, for more information on the kill rock podcast and our show announcements, you can go check out killrockpodcast.com. podcast.com. That is the best place for you to find out what's going on with the kill rock podcast. And we will post it in our news feed uh, about the hiatus. So if you didn't listen to the end of this episode, you'll find out at killrockpodcast.com. Thank you guys for joining us here on the Kill Rock Podcast on episode 33 with Brent Lakes from Broken Circles Records. We're going to play another song off Bandit's brand new debut album of life. This song is pushing. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you February 16th for Drew and Jimmy here on the Kill Rock Podcast. (laughs) Hashtag k R. P.